part two of our discussion of Mormon scriptures and polygamy. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Welcome to our show again, and we are welcoming back our co-host, our guest co-host, Dorothy Callan. And we are um, doing this because Earl is still kind of taking a little time off, um, and he hasn't been sick. He's perfectly healthy. We want all of our viewers to know that. But Dorothy's sitting in for a couple of shows for uh, the time being. And we have mentioned this before, but mention it again about the radio program that you and your husband are going to be launching. Okay. The first weekend in August, we'll be starting a, a half an hour show on AM820. We're going to call it More Than Ink, uh, which is a reference to uh, the, the Bible being more than just ink on a page. It is the living Word of God. And mm -hmm. so we're going to spend half an hour every week talking about the relevance of the scriptures and how, how we read it, how we learn to understand it, how we come to hear the voice of God uh, as we approach that written Word on yeah. the page. Mm -hmm. So... That's going to be very good. We we encourage our viewers to tune in. It's AM eight twenty, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. On Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings at ten. I think 10 it will be the hour. Yeah. Okay. So, tune in and, and get a listen to uh, to you'll enjoy it very much because they have great information. We're on part two of our going through verse by verse section one thirty two of the Mormon Doctrine and Covenants. <clears throat> it presents itself as the revelation from God to Joseph Smith to restore. Old Testament polygamy practices, and Smith actually wrote that God had uh, been pleased with the Old Testament polygamists and justified them because of their polygamy. But the Doctrine and Covenants didn't always condone or <coughs> command polygamy. In fact, in 1835, the foundational first edition of the Doctrine and Covenants included a section which denied polygamy and stated that monogamy was their only option. As mentioned in part one of this series, Fatty Stenhouse uh, immigrated from England to Utah with her husband. But while they were still in England, they had been promised by Mormon missionaries that polygamy was a lie from devilish people who said they were enemies of Mormonism. Fanny wrote a book entitled Tell It All, where she said section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants was total massive confusion, absurdity, falsehood, uh, filled with bad grammar and inconsistencies, inconsistencies flagrant outrage upon common decency and morality. So we're working through section 132, passage by passage, to discover the confusion, absurdities, and falsehoods to which she made reference. Last time we got through verses 7 and 8. So we'll pick up from there and see how Joseph Smith uses mundane repetition to point out that God made a commandment. His commandment is law, and nothing that is not of him will remain after the resurrection. Now, revelations are supposed to reveal something new. This is nothing new. <laughs> but Joseph Smith uses it to lay a foundation of fear and threats, as we'll see later on. In other words, do it or else. So let's start with verse 15. <laughs> Therefore, if a man marry him a wife in the world, and he marry her not by me, nor by my word, and he covenant with her so long as he is in the world and she with him. Their covenant and marriage are not of force when they're dead, when they're out of the world. Therefore, they are not bound by any law when they're out of the world. Okay, now this, the LDS point out this verse 
to claim that section 132 is about monogamy. And, and pointing to eternal marriage. And pointing to eternal yeah. marriage, exactly. And they say that it proves section 132 is not polygamy, which polygamists know it is. But that doesn't fly because the context is polygamy. I mean, we've read them already. And each man, whenever he takes another plural wife, he takes a wife. <laughs> So that, that really doesn't uh, substantiate it as being only monogamy. He repeats that they must be married by Joseph Smith himself or they won't be married for eternity. Well, the Bible explains clearly there are no marriages in eternity. So let's read verse 17. <clears throat> for these angels did not abide my law. Therefore, they cannot be enlarged, but remain separately and singly without exaltation in their saved condition to all eternity. And from henceforth are not God's, but are angels of God forever and ever. Now, we have skipped some verses because of redundancy right. and time constraints. In verse 4, he said they're damned if they don't abide this law. But in verse 17, he says they're angels forever. So which is it? Eternal damnation or being eternal angels? Actually, according to the Bible, it's neither. <laughs> and you know what? We don't need to be afraid of any of Joseph Smith's threats that he makes in section 132. And yet polygamists are afraid of those threats. Verse 18 is more empty talk, repeating what verses 10 through 14 say, basically warning that if you're not married by Joseph Smith or his successor after he dies, according to this new plan, you will never be able to marry in heaven. Well, that's not news. The Bible's been telling us, uh, its readers, for centuries that there's <clears throat> no marriages in heaven and nothing that Joseph Smith says can change what Jesus said. Now, verse 19 <clears throat> contains 219 words in one long sentence full of redundancies. We quote from some of it, but again, like that last one we did, we're just going to roll quote part of it, not all of it. Okay, there's some very confusing stuff here. I'll do my best to make sense of it as we, <laughs> as we read it. Verse 19 says, And again, verily I say unto you, if a man marry a wife by my word, which is my law, and by the new and everlasting covenant, and it is sealed unto them by the Holy Spirit of promise, by him who is anointed, shall inherit thrones, kingdoms, principalities, and powers, dominions, all heights and depths. Then shall it be written in the Lamb's book of life that he shall commit no murder whereby to shed innocent blood. And if ye abide in my covenant and commit no murder whereby to shed innocent blood, it shall be done unto them in all things whatsoever and shall be of full force when they are out of the world, and they shall pass by the angels and the gods to their exaltation and glory in all things. Glory shall be a fullness and a continuation of the seeds forever and ever. Right. So there is a, somehow there's a skirting around everybody who didn't <laughs> uh, practice these things. Right, right. To arrive at that glory, which is a fullness of continuing of seeds. Of seeds in, in <laughs> eternal life. They're sealed in the new and everlasting covenant, which today in the Mormons it's monogamy in the temple, but it really was at that time the covenant mm -hmm. of polygamy. Uh, and if you don't commit murder, then you will be resurrected and be exalted. You'll be able to become a god uh, and procreate eternally, is mm -hmm. what it's saying. And actually, it's just merely a promise of eternal sex. Exactly. That's what it That's seems to be saying. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Mormonism sealed marriages are promises of eternal marriage, meaning a man's plural wives will be with him in heaven to serve him and in a sexual capacity forever, uh, bearing him children, spirit children forever, which is how he populates his own worlds in which he will rule over. Mm-hmm. That's more. That's Mormon. That's Mormon doctrine. So that's confusion. Fanny was right. <laughs> Verse twenty. <laughs> then shall they be gods. Because they have no end. Therefore shall they be from everlasting to everlasting, because they continue. Then shall they be above all, because all things are subject unto them. Then shall they be gods, because they have all power, and the angels are subject unto them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye abide in my law, ye cannot attain to this glory. Okay, well, you have to be a polygamist That's to be blasphemous. It's very blasphemous. Polygamous men will become gods, mm-hmm. and they'll have all power. Mm-hmm. Now, that's impossible. Multiple people cannot all have all power. <laughs> they, they can have shared power, <laughs> or they can have some power, but they can't have all power. Only God Almighty has all power. Only He has all power. And they cannot be from everlasting to everlasting. Only God Almighty uh, is from everlasting to everlasting. Not No one but God existed in eternity past, and He is the only God. We read that from the New Testament, starting in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And James 2.19, You believe that there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. Too bad the Mormons can't even come up to what the demons believe, that there's only one One God. God. Over 40 times the Bible tells us there's only one God always. From eternity past to eternity future, only one God. And Joseph Smith comes up with a revelation that polygamists can be what God himself says is impossible. Why do people believe Joseph Smith over what God said? Now notice verse 24 is a stark contradiction to the promise of becoming a God. This is eternal lives, to know the only wise and true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he hath sent. I am he. Receive ye, therefore, my law. Okay, so I just have to say something here, Doris, Mm because I've just finished a study in John 17 Mm -hmm. where Jesus says, This is eternal life, that you may know the one God and and Jesus Christ, whom he hath sent. So, uh, But there is no reference there to... Get the law. Right. <laughs> Here's the law attached right. to that. It's mm-hmm. all about entering into that intimate relationship of knowing mm-hmm. God in reality. So when I read this the other day, when you sent it to me, uh, I just paused there. And I thought the subtlety of that twist. That's what they do. They twist you know, the scriptures, don't they? It sounds like the Bible that I've sort mm-hmm. of read, but then so it must be the same. Yeah, and it's just a quote, actually. Part of it, anyway, is just a quote from John 17, right. 3, that, that right. part of it. Um, but notice that he said, now, by the way, eternal lives, that's a twist of the scripture. Right. It means it's, eternally able to have children. Right. Eternal sex, we're, we're again. We're creating lives. Right. Yeah. But notice he says that... He, and I quote, the only wise and true God. So what does the word only which, mean? Which is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
So, so this must mean that all other gods are not wise and are not true. Gods. So he contradicts himself and say you can become a god because there's only one wise and true god. Like Thanny Stenhouse said, confusing, absurdities. Verse 27. <laughs> the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, which shall not be forgiven in the world nor out of the world, is in that ye commit murder, wherein ye shed innocent blood, and assent unto my death, after ye have received my new and everlasting covenant, saith the Lord God. And he that abideth not this law can in no wise enter into my glory, but shall be damned, saith the Lord. So again, he's got this damnation thing in there, mm -hmm. forgetting that he said you'd be angels in the other verse and so on. So damnation is a pr pronounced on those who commit murder and on those who do not live polygamy. So he's raised up the 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 sin of not being a polygamist to, this, to the same equality of being a murderer. In a later verse, he explains that after one enters into plural marriage, he can sin all he wants except for murder and still enter into God's glory. Now that's what Mormons wrongly accuse Christians of. Yet here Joseph Smith applies it to the followers of Mormonism. Now we're going to get into the law of the Mormon holy priesthood. Verse 28. I am the Lord thy God, and will give unto thee the law of my holy priesthood, as was ordained by me and my father before the world was. Okay, now it's holy priesthood. We, we've got the context. We've set it up there. And this new, this new commandment of polygamy is the law of God's holy priesthood. That's what he claims. According to this, the Mormon priesthood is defined as celestial marriage or polygamy which was a code word used for polygamy when he was writing this. So now we have the Mormon priesthood defined, religious sanctioned adultery. Verse 30. Abraham received promises concerning his seed and of the fruit of his loins, from whose loins ye are, namely my servant Joseph. And as touching Abraham and his seed, both in the world and out of the world, should they continue as innumerable as the stars, or if ye were to count the sand upon the seashore, ye could not number them. Go ye therefore, and do the works of Abraham. Enter ye into my law, and ye shall be saved." But if ye enter not into my law, ye cannot receive the promise of my father, which I made unto Abraham. God commanded Abraham, and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. Why did she do it? Because this was the law, and from Hagar sprang many people. This, therefore, was fulfilling, among other things, the promises. And this is more scripture twisting, obviously. And, what... uh, and doublespeak. And doublespeak, yes, absolutely. Um, notice again, you shall be saved if you become a polygamist, entering into this law of polygamy. Joseph Smith was calling Abraham's polygamy a law. Of course, it's nowhere in the Bible. This is not seen in the Bible. And that God's promises cannot be received if polygamy is not practiced. God fulfilling his promise to us is contingent about practice of polygamy. Again, Blasphemous. But God instituted monogamy, not polygamy. Genesis 2, 18 and 24 are very understandable. One wife, one husband, one flesh. Now, the New Testament book of Galatians talks about the works of Abraham and of Hagar. The Apostle Paul calls Hagar's son a child of the law. And the son born of Sarah, he calls a child of freedom and promise. Then he tells Abraham to send away the concubine and her son. 
A child of slavery to the law is not part of God's family. Yet polygamists have huge families, and each child is a child of slavery to the laws of polygamy. And the New Testament tells us that by no law will anyone ever enter into the kingdom of God. Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 6 to 10 says, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So it's very clearly faith, very clearly mm -hmm. grace, God's grace through faith. And because no one can always do everything written in the law, Jesus did it for us. So we are saved through Jesus' works, not our own. If you're relying on obedience to any law to earn favor with God, you will fail. And there is nothing you can do to redeem yourself. The works of Abraham is not polygamy, but is active trusting God, active faith and trusting God and his word. So let's go to verse 35. Was Abraham therefore under condemnation? Verily I say to you, nay, for I, the Lord, commanded it. Abraham was commanded to offer his son Isaac. Nevertheless, it was written, Thou shalt not kill. Abraham, however, did not refuse, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, we just talked a minute ago mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. that it says here in the Book of Mormon that Abraham, that it was written, Thou shalt not kill. But that was the law of Moses, which came 400 and something years later. Abraham had no law That's right. saying, and child sacrifice was not uncommon in his world. Right. Absolutely right. So, uh, so uh, Joseph Smith was wrong here he by saying wrong. that it had already been written. And he uses this example uh, where God told Abraham to take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice, even though uh, he claimed God said, thou shalt not kill. So he's using this as an illustration that God can command polygamy, even though he said, thou shalt not commit adultery, which also, like you said, was not written yet. Right. Well, Abraham did not kill Isaac, for heaven's sakes. He, 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 his plan was never for Isaac to be killed. Now, this is very important because God stopped Abraham from killing Isaac. If polygamy was a similar test of obedience, God would have stopped Joseph Smith before he actually committed adultery through polygamy. His example falls apart. What a farce. And when Fanny Stenhouse read all this nonsense, the contradictions, the horrible God that Smith is presenting here, she nearly went crazy, wondering how she ever could have believed any of it to begin with. Well, let's look at verse 37. Abraham received concubines, and they bore him children, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. As Isaac also and Jacob did none other things than that which they were commanded, because they, and because they did none other things than that which they were commanded, they have entered into their exaltation according to the promises, and sit upon thrones, and are not angels, but are gods. Well, again, another contradiction. Where does the part come where they become gods? <laughs> <laughs> you, 
Eternal lives only comes from being a polygamist. Then verse 38, right after it, David also received many wives and concubines, and also Solomon and Moses, my servants, as also many others of my servants from the beginning of creation until this time. And in nothing did they sin, save in those things which they received not of me. Now, we mentioned before, Moses and Isaac are never mentioned as having plural wives in the Bible. Um, and Joseph Smith is claiming the polygamy of these Old Testament men was the very reason that they were exalted to godhood. Mm-hmm. In verse 39, Joseph Smith brings David into the <clears throat> revelation. And we've talked so much about David and his polygamy in the past, but for the sake of time, we don't want to go to, through it again. There's a lot to cover yet, and with just a few minutes to do it. So we're going to go on to verse 4. Did you have something that you were wanting to say on this past one? It can it'll come up. <laughs> Okay, so on to verse 41. Verse 41. (laughs) And as ye have asked concerning adultery, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man receiveth a wife in the new and everlasting covenant, and if she be with another man, and I have not appointed unto her by the holy anointing, she hath committed adultery and shall be destroyed. There's another threat. If she be not in the new and everlasting covenant, and she be with another man, she has committed adultery. This is the classic Mormon double Mm -hmm. standard. Mm-hmm. A man with many wives is not adulterous, but is righteous. But a man with more than one man, a woman with more than one man, is an adulteress and will be destroyed. Now, this certainly helped persuade many of his male followers mm-hmm. to follow in his polygamous footsteps. Someone said that here that Joseph Smith was indulging in, and I quote, psychobabble, a hallmark of the prophets of the cults, baffling the people with baloney. And we agree. On to verse 48. And again, verily I say unto you, my servant Joseph, that whatsoever you give on earth, and to whomsoever you give any one on earth, by my word and according to my law, it shall be visited with blessings and not cursings, and with my power, saith the Lord, and shall be without condemnation on earth and in heaven. Do you notice when we go through some of these quotes... Uh, how often he uses the word law and commandment. Oh, and it's giving all authority to Joseph to decide Uh who ought to be with whom and and who not. He could give plural wives to whomever he chooses, Mm -hmm. and he did. And And that's what polygamy groups Mm -hmm. do today, the same thing, following in his footsteps. And again, we have to ask our viewers, do you really believe that this is from God? Let's go to verse 51. Verily I say unto you, a commandment I give unto mine handmaid Emma Smith, your wife, whom I have given unto you, that she stay herself and partake not of that which I commanded you to offer unto her. For I did it, saith the Lord, to prove you all as I did Abraham, and that I might require an offering at your hand by covenant and sacrifice. Now, why didn't God reveal this directly to Emma? That's, that's one that's question, one question. That we have from this. <laughs> the story behind this is that Emma, she wasn't pleased with any of this at all. In fact, she ended up throwing this in the fire, which is a good place for it. But, but Emma threatened, well, if you're going to do this, then I'm going to get myself a plural husband. And, of course, Joseph Smith couldn't handle that idea, so he put this in the Revelation. That's convenient. Joseph doesn't even have to give up his polygamy, but Emma better control herself or she will be destroyed. Verse 52. 
and let mine handmaid Emma Smith receive all those that have been given unto my servant Joseph, and who are virtuous and pure before me. And those who are not pure and have said they were pure shall be destroyed, <laughs> saith the Lord God. Everybody's oh. going to be destroyed. Oh, such, <laughs> such redundancy, isn't it? It is something. And that, again, that's the threats. Except yeah. his wives, or be destroyed, mm -hmm. Emma. And plural wives have heard this same threat over and over again through mm -hmm. the decades since Joseph Smith wrote it down. The threats, the fear, the blood atonement, the buffetings of Satan, and on it goes. The psychological, emotional, and spiritual cruelty of treatment is unbelievable and very effective. On to verse 54. And I command mine handmaid, Emma Smith, to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph and to none else. But if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord. For I am the Lord thy God, and will destroy her if she abide not in my law. Now, if this was about monogamy, this would be empty. Uh, well, it's empty well, anyway. But. It would be unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> now, again, he's saying, do it or die. That's the message, mm -hmm. and, and that's the lie. Ironically, it was Joseph Smith who was destroyed, and Emma lived to see her children's children. Now, there's more in section 132 that we don't have time to make comment. He is promised by God that even if he takes 10 virgins, he would not be guilty of adultery because those virgins were given to him by God. A total travesty of God's command not to commit adultery, not to indulge in fornication, and to keep the marriage bed pure. We hope from this and from your own personal and prayerful study that you will see section 132 for what it really is. And don't be afraid to check out for yourself what God did or did not say. It's your eternity. And God has commanded all of us to check out what we believe if it's authentic and from Him. And then discard everything that didn't originate from Him or doesn't focus on Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. And there was a lot we could go through because there's many verses that we didn't, but uh, we didn't read, but mo we didn't miss anything no, because they we got, so the, got the important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we can see uh, how polygamists hang on to this and how it's used as a weapon mm -hmm. against the young girls growing up. Do it or die. Do it or be destroyed. Praise God for His grace, and He will forgive anyone who comes to Him in true repentance. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Dorothy, again. Thanks for inviting me. Mm -hmm. You know, salvation through polygamy totally voids Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross to pay for our sins. Paul the Apostle wrote by the inspiration of God, if we could be saved by religious law, Christ died in vain. Grace is God's method. He already purchased your ticket to heaven. There are many tickets that will never be claimed by the sinner because they are determined to work their own way to heaven despite God's grace through Jesus Christ. Don't let your ticket go to waste. God's grace abounds, but a day's coming when He will withdraw grace and forgiveness and those left behind will knock on the door and Jesus will say, go away, I don't know you. Please pay attention to God's call. Today is the day of his salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no one. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact 
at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.